Hello and welcome to Hop on Board, brought to you by Southeastern Railway. In each episode, you'll be taken on a whistle-stop tour of some of the best places to explore on the Southeastern network, guiding you through everything these stunning regions have to offer, from delicious food and drink and beautiful countryside walks to vibrant art scenes and fascinating history. That's where I hop on board. Okay, so here we are. Just got off the train at Sandwich. Never been to Sandwich before. Uh, nice, easy journey, quick journey. It's a beautiful day. Sun is shining. In fact, it's perfect filming weather, this light, which is um, appropriate because actually Kent is an unbelievably popular filming location. And if you look at Margate, right, Sam Mendes's film, Empire of Light, set back in the early 80s, with uh, Olivia Coleman and, and Michael Ward was in it. That was filmed and set right there in Margate. And, and Mark Tilsey, the film's production designer, actually said they wanted to create a glorious, epic seascape world. And that's what they did. I mean, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's worth watching. And then it's, it's probably worth taking a trip down to Margate to see the locations if you enjoyed the film, because it's, uh, it's that kind of magical link of... Um, of reality and, 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 and cinema. If you're a fan, like I am, of uh, the BBC series Killing Eve, you might spot Margate, because it features in the final series. You might remember the Jolly Boys outing episode of Only Fools and Horses, which took place in Margate. You could check out Miranda Sawyer's episode of Hop On Board and you can hear a bit more about the art scene down there. And it's not just on-location filming that takes place here. Kent has some real powerhouse production spaces. Like in Maidstone, you've got the UK's biggest independent TV studios, Maidstone Studios. Huge bunch of comedy icons passing through the doors there. Joe Brand, Steve Coogan, Basil Brush, you know, iconic. And the future of film in Kent is looking even brighter now because Netflix, Amazon and HBO have all been linked to a multi-million pound film studio just set to open in Ashford, in Kent, in 2025. Unreal. So as, as well as looking ahead, Kent's a great place, I think, to reflect on the history of cinema and the classics. You know, if you go to Deal, check out the Museum of Moving Image, the Kent Momi, it's, it's in a really quirky setting. And you can, you can learn all about the history of film from the days of magic lantern projections all the way through to the birth of the silver screen itself. And keeping classics in mind, I'm going to start my day in the beautiful East Kent town of Sandwich, uh, where I've just got off the train. It's just over an hour on the high speed from St Pancras, so it's super quick. I'm here, basically, to learn how Kent inspired one of the UK's favourite film franchises of all, the Bond films. Kent plays a huge role in James Bond's history. It's been used for scenes in four 007 films, The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day, Diamonds Are Forever, and the 1967 spoof film Casino Royale, not to be confused with the, the very serious one with Daniel Craig, released uh, in 2006. And as well as films, the area heavily influenced the Bond books. The original creator of the James Bond series of spy novels, Ian Fleming, regularly escaped to Kent 
for summers and weekends. And it's clear he took a lot of inspiration from the area. There's loads of examples of Bond-Kent crossovers. Um, a few highlights. The 007 code name apparently came from the number of a London to Dover coach. Um, and Bond is described as spending his childhood in Pet Bottom, a small village near Canterbury. And in Moonraker, Drax, the villain of the book, has his research base on the edge of the cliffs between Dover and Deal. It's another story about Fleming's links with Kent, though, that's the reason I'm in Sandwich. I'm at the Royal St George's Golf Club. It's about 30 minutes' walk from the station, and I'm, I'm about to take a beautiful walk along the course's public footpath to the coast with John Firth. Now, John runs England Plus, a tour company that includes the search for the real James Bond, and he and I are going to do just that. So, hey, John, could you tell us a little about England Plus, what you get up to? Yeah, uh, my wife and I run a small business down here and do mainly day trips. And one of them that we do is a theme tour on uh, James Bond and Ian Fleming, who lived in this area. I remember sitting at uh, Fleming's desk when I was in Jamaica a, a few years ago. I knew he had a lot of ties with Jamaica, but I, I didn't know anything about his ties to Kent. So w w what can you tell us about? Yeah, he spent two months a year in Jamaica after the war and uh, that's where he actually wrote all the books but he got a lot of inspiration from the time he lived down here in Kent. For the golf club the most obvious one would be Goldfinger because a lot of the novel is set here on St George's golf course which he actually calls St Mark's in the in the novel. I knew that Goldfinger was kind of semi-based on an architect who like, did like brutalist architecture around uh, London and the southeast, but I never knew about... I yeah, knew he about set the, the whole uh, book around here. I mean, he was an obsessive golfer, I'd say. When he worked yeah. in London, he used to drive down on a Friday afternoon to get nine holes in here and uh, supper oh, every week. And, and are there any other filming locations for, for Bond? Like Goldfinger, a lot of the book was set here. Did they shoot any of it here? Some of the films, that, like uh, Diamonds Are Forever, mm. they, they use the port of Dover. And in those days, they had the hovercraft coming in and out. Right. Moonraker was based around 10 miles uh, down the coast here. Really? It's another location we take people to. And the, uh, the world is not enough. That was the only one to actually be shot here, to my knowledge, but from uh, Dover there. And that was with Pierce Brosnan. And they did the speedboat chase in Chatham Dockyard, yeah. Amazing. So Fleming didn't just live here, he died here, right? He had a hemorrhage. He was taken to hospital in Canterbury and died there overnight. Sort of focus in on some of the, the achievements he had while he was down here. Because from what I hear, he wasn't that far off becoming a little like Bond himself. Well, although he said he wasn't, um, if you read well, his autobiography, exactly what if you read his autobiography, <laughs> he really was. There's several auto well biographies on him, mm. and it's quite clear that his own life was very similar to his character James Bond. For example, during the war, he had a job in naval intelligence, and although he was behind the desk most of that time, he was behind all these different uh, schemes and uh, got to go to Bordeaux on one occasion. And all over the place. He went to Russia in his early life when he was working for Reuters. And that's where he got a lot of information on Russia. Uh, when he was working in naval intelligence, he was actually a, a lieutenant commander in the uh, naval intelligence. He was working for a guy called um, Admiral Godfrey in Whitehall. 
So he was, uh, he knew of everything that was going on during the war. Also, when he went to the Caribbean, uh, he was a good friend of Jacques Cousteau, who invented the aqualung, wow. and he used to go scuba diving with him. And of course, that's why we've got a lot of scuba diving in the James Bond novels. Incredible. Uh, in the war as well, he got sent out to Portugal, which was neutral. And there, that's where he got all his experience of casinos, because he used to go to Estoril Casino a lot when he was in Portugal. So, yeah, if you look through his life, it's very, very similar to what appears in the Bond books. John, you got a lovely old uh, edition of Moonraker there from Pan Books. And there's, there's a whole bunch of references almost to where we stood right now within the book. And yes. then St. Margaret's Bay. And Give us a little chunk of... If of... you read this book... Um, it really is clear that uh, we're in this part of Kent. Okay. So if you look at uh, chapter 16, for mm, example, they, they say, it was a wonderful afternoon of blue and green and gold. When they left the concrete apron through the guard gate near the empty firing point, they stopped for a moment on the edge of the great chalk cliff and stood gazing over the whole corner of England where Caesar had first landed 2,000 years ago. That's mm. actually just down the coast here in Deal. To their left, the carpet of green, turf bright with small wildflowers, sloped gradually down to the long pebble beaches of Warmer and Deal, which curved off towards Sandwich and the bay beyond. Beyond the cliffs of Margate, showing white through the distant haze that hid the North Foreland, that's a lighthouse, right. uh, guarded the grey sky of Manston Aerodrome, above which American thunder jets wrote their white scribbles in the sky. That's describing everywhere we're standing now. If we look to the north, mm. you can actually see the cliffs he's talking about. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and what's the significance of St. Margaret's Bay? It's a very pretty uh, bay. If you mm. read the story, they walked along the beach, him and uh, Gala, the Bond girl, in that book, and uh, there was an explosion from above. They tried to kill them, and they got to St. Margaret's Bay, went in the hotel there to clean up and had few martinis as he always does <laughs> so you know one of the most subtly points in in the uk so you're coming from anywhere up north how, how easy are we talking getting down here what we do we normally meet people in uh, dover right. or folkestone anywhere on the high speed train line and then uh, we take them down to the bay by car also above st margaret's bay featured in this book is the old where the granville hotel used to stand it's a beautiful walk called the Lease, not only as in Folkestone, there as well. And from there you get views over the cliffs and uh, the point I was just describing in the, in the yeah. book. How quick is it from London? It's really quick. It's uh, 55 minutes to Folkestone. 55 and, minutes to Folkestone. And I think just over an hour to Dover itself from St Pancras. All right, that's, that's a plan for me, I think, for the spring. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, John. Thank you. So Sandwich isn't just a Bond hotspot. There's been a huge range of other films and shows shot here, including World War Z, starring Brad Pitt, and The Old Guard with Charlize Theron. And when you're done spotting film locations, there's all kinds of stuff you can do to unwind. I mean, you have to eat a sandwich in Sandwich just for the selfie. And there are some lovely places to eat around the town. You know, if you want to see some great rooftop views of the town, you could try St. Peter's Church Tower Tour. And of course, the town's got lots of amazing history, including the story of the fourth Earl of Sandwich, who is claimed to have invented the sandwich itself, the food item. So head to the Guildhall Museum to learn more about Sandwich's past. Also, Folkestone is only a 35-minute train ride from Sandwich, or just under an hour 
on the high speed from London. And every year, the seaside town hosts the Folkestone Short Film Festival. And this is a great event. It's all about showing the creativity of indie filmmakers from all over the world. And they've had submissions from 144 countries in total. So just check which dates they're running it before you buy that train ticket. That's a little bit of advice. All right. Um, okay, I've enjoyed sandwich loads. But now I'm going to head back to the station and get the train to the historic dockyard Chatham, which is a real filming hotspot. So off we go. So as you can probably hear right now, I'm on the train. I'm on a southeastern train now en route to Ramsgate, where I changed to go on to Chatham. Uh, Chatham's another location that is it's incredibly easy to get to from London. The fastest direct train is going to get you there in 41 minutes. Um, so yeah, just easing our way through the, uh, the southeastern countryside. It's a beautiful day, fortunately. It's cold, but it's, it, it's sunny. Um, Swarms of birds landing in the trees, uh, just wispy clouds in the sky, and we're just a few minutes away now from uh, Ramsgate. Um, it's, uh, I think we're going to pass Pigwell Bay County Park. Just got some stunning views of Sandwich and, and Deal, of course, to the west. Cliffs of Ramsgate to the east. A great place for a little walk or a cycle ride. Get the dogs out. If you want to do even more sightseeing near Chatham. Fort Amherst is only 15 minutes walk from the station. That's, uh, Amherst is Britain's biggest Napoleonic fortress. Um, there's, there's loads to see, loads to do. You can do tunnel tours, nature trails. And if, like me, you're a film lover, I can tell you parts of Darkest Hour. Remember the Winston Churchill film? Uh, that was shot there, um, starring Gary Oldman. Um, for now, though, I'm going to continue on to the dockyard. So just uh, 25 minutes walk from Chatham Station or a short bus ride or taxi gets you to the historic dockyard Chatham. For more than four centuries, this was Britain's most important centre for warship building and repair with over 400 warships built here. These days, as well as being a fantastic maritime museum, the dockyard is a popular filming location. There are over 100 buildings dating from the Georgian and Victorian period, making it suitable for any setting over the past 200 years. It's actually estimated that the dockyard has appeared in more than 150 films and TV shows as a result, including Call the Midwife, famously, Downton Abbey, The Crown, and Sherlock Holmes. There's loads to do if you're wanting to visit the scenes of your favorite shows, including an actual exclusive Call the Midwife tour and gallery. So I'm gonna meet with Olivia Horner, who's the Director of Commercial Operations here at Chatham Dockyard. She's gonna give us a little more detail. So uh, Olivia, can you give you know someone like me who has never been here before and don't know anything about Chatham Dockyard, give us a sort of bit of a prehistory of how it came came to be what it what it was used for and where we are today so the historic dockyard chatham tells the story of over 400 years of maritime history here on this site we are the most complete dockyard of the age of sail so we 
are probably most famously known for the shipbuilding of HMS Victory, um, which was Nelson's uh, flagship. There are a few people that actually live here. They do, yes. Are they living on an old boat? What are they, what are they living in? <laughs> no, we have quite a large residential area, right. um, most of which are privately owned flats or, or houses. But we do have some historic buildings as well that um, are, are now used for residents. And then the whole dockyard becomes self-sufficient from these various different forms of... Um, we are still uh, we still rely quite heavily on on funding and obviously everything that we do here goes back into uh, meeting those charitable objectives so um, you know something like a large film project just goes straight back into helping us to preserve this amazing place gotcha and then that's what I'm really interested in because we you know we're looking at uh, various uh, film and television locations around Kent and um this place has had a ridiculous number of productions. You know, over 100, I think. Some of the recent ones we've had, um, obviously, Call the Midwife is, is our most well-known. They're regularly here. Right? They're regularly here. Right. So we are, we are the official location for the filming of Call the Midwife, which is it's lovely. You know, it's very exciting that we're used for that. But we're used for a number of different productions, anything from music videos to photo shoots, TV series, and, and even Hollywood blockbusters as oh, well. Yeah. Who's the most famous person you've spotted knocking around the, the uh, most famous the that I've seen? I, I've personally seen Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law, which was quite that's a... That was an exciting huge. day, I've got that's, to say. That's A-list. <laughs> what do you think is the, the key attraction that brings these production companies over from you know all corners of the world to shoot here? I think we have... A number of opportunities that are kind of in our favour, really. Um, in terms of the site itself, it's a really amazing backdrop. So we have the cobbled streets. We have the really historic buildings that create that backdrop. And actually, when the location managers use us, what they really enjoy about us is that they're always finding something new. Even the ones that know us really well come back time and time again because they know what's behind that door, Olivia? What can we see behind that door? Can we use it for something? Um, so I think we are able to keep location managers engaged with us purely because there's so much here to see and do and so much to still explore. But I think that kind of period costume drama, we do very well because we've got cobble streets, because we've got historic buildings. You know, you're saying you are the official production venue for Call the Midwife. You have like a midwife-specific tour that you guys do we do it's not unusual to see midwives walking around the site um, you might spot some today when you're wandering around we've got a very popular tour which is our called midwife locations tour and then you are taken into a gallery and we've worked really closely with neil street productions who um, are, are obviously responsible for called midwife and um, and we've got props and costumes and a bit of set and um, and yeah, it's it's a fabulous gallery. If you're a fan of Call the Midwife, mm. you will love this tour because it really does bring the series to life. What's the nearest train station? The nearest train station to us. So we have we're very lucky. We have two. We have Chatham train station, which is um, about a 25 minute walk away, mm. um, and we also have Rochester as well. So we have two train stations well, that. That you can call so what, what else? Because I read somewhere that there were like hundreds of films that have been shot here. There are. What's so the um, we've had The Golden Compass here. Oh, we've yeah. had The Mummy, if, if, if yeah. you all remember The Mummy. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, we've also had, obviously, the Sherlock Holmes uh, quite recently as well. Um, I'm, I'm allowed to say it now because it's now out on Netflix, but we've had Bridgerton. We've had Enola Holmes, the second one. Oh, yeah. That was quite a nice one. That was quite exciting. Um, I didn't get to see the actors for that one, which I was very disappointed <laughs> about. <laughs> Have you ever been dragged in as an extra? No, I think I'd be a rubbish extra. Really? Yeah, I would be a... Just making some rope in the, in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's been amazing talking to you. Thanks, Thanks very for much. the info. Fascinating speaking with Olivia there and hearing just how much Chatham Dockyard celebrates these links to, to film and iconic television. And, you know, once your day of sightseeing is done, there's loads of places you can go to, to unwind, grab some food, maybe have a little drink. There's Nelson's Brewery, which is right in the heart of the dockyard. I walked past that a little earlier. Um, and then you can get takeaways from there as well. I noticed that on the door. And, and Copper Rivet as well, which is a fantastic gin distillery uh, and restaurant. It's just five minutes walk away from, from here at the dockyard. So make sure you book onto a distillery tour. If you do come down, you won't regret it. And Chatham is just one of the great places in Kent that you can visit to learn more about film and TV. There's plenty of others I'm not even stopping at today that you can visit by jumping on a southeastern train. It really is that simple. For example... The Beanie House of Art and Knowledge in Canterbury, amazing museum. They've got an exhibit there dedicated to the BAFTA award-winning duo Peter Furman and Oliver Postgate, who created some of the most classic children's TV of the 60s, 70s and 80s, including Ivor the Engine, Nog in the Nog, Clangers and Bagpuss. Bagpuss was actually filmed in Peter's barn in Blaine, just outside Canterbury. He loaned a lot of props from the show to the beanie, including the original Bagpuss, described as a saggy old cloth cat, baggy and a bit loose at the seams, but loved by kids through generations. Also, you can check out the small films gallery at the beanie and learn a bit more about the work behind these stop motion creations. The museum's only 10 minutes walk from both Canterbury West and Canterbury East stations. And if you want to check out another historical location that, like the dockyard, has featured in some blockbuster productions, Dover Castle is a perfect place to visit, especially if you're a Marvel fan, because it was used as a villain's lair in Avengers Age of Ultron. You might recognize it. A doorway to the castle's wartime tunnels was used as a secret entrance in that film. Now, those same tunnels are featured in Rav Wilding's episode of the podcast, all about the unexplained. So give that a listen, and you'll find out a bit more detail when you're done with this episode of course okay it's time to leave this location now amazing place we're going to say farewell to the dockyard because i am heading back to chatham station and i'm going to catch a train to seven oaks so i came from chatham via bromley south but if you're traveling from london you can be in seven oaks in as little as 25 minutes from there it's about a half hour stroll to Knoll house through the pretty kent town of seven oaks and the beautiful Knoll park no house dates back to the mid-15th century. Henry VIII often visited, and it was eventually given to him by the Archbishop of Canterbury in 1538. He later housed his daughter, Mary I, here while he was divorcing her mother, Catherine of Aragon. I mean, that is, that's quite a gift. The house, now a much-loved National Trust location, is situated in this unbelievably beautiful thousand-acre park. It is well worth exploring the surrounding grounds, and you can see some of the hundreds of deer that roam around freely. It's, uh, it's an incredible sight. 
Um, there's actually been deer at Knoll for over 500 years, and it's the last medieval deer park of its kind in Kent. This house passed through Tudor royalty to the Sackville family in the late 1800s and into the 1900s and was gifted to the National Trust in 1946. In the past, it was the home of the famous writer and designer Vita Sackville West. Virginia Woolf documented the Sackville Wests in her 1928 novel Orlando. In 1992, a film loosely based on this novel was released, but sadly, none of it was filmed here. More recently, Noel House has featured in some Pretty A-list productions, to be honest, including uh, you got Pirates of the Caribbean, the other Bowling Girl, Sherlock Holmes, starring Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and I'm going to go in now to meet Hannah Kay, the National Trust's general manager for Knoll House, to have a little peek behind the scenes and a chimwag. So we're sat up in the Hayloft Learning Centre in the grounds of the spectacular Knoll House. I've never, ever been here before. So Hannah, uh, for anyone else who has, has never visited, give us a little introduction to this amazing place. Knoll is wonderful because you, um, you travel along Seven Oaks High Street, a busy town centre, and you turn into uh, the parkland at Knoll and the parkland just opens up around you, it unfolds. Uh, the parkland was first enclosed in 1456 and it's Kent's last medieval deer park. So it's an incredibly precious landscape. And it's so impressive. You come down that driveway, you go into a valley, which was once a prehistoric riverbed. You're surrounded by ancient oak trees. Um, and then as you rise up through the parkland, you see Knoll House. Uh, and it sits there proudly in the landscape. Uh, and it's an absolutely vast complex of buildings. So we're, we're on the hunt for... Um some iconic kind of uh, filming locations for television and, and, and cinema. Can you give us an insight into some of the maybe bigger name productions that might have taken place here? The first uh, film we think that was made here was in 1913, a black and white silent movie called A Daughter of Romany. But more recently, The Favourite and Vita and Virginia. So lots and lots of big blockbuster titles have been filmed here. Now, I, I love that, that film, The Favourite with Olivia Coleman. Um, so I'm guessing there's some exteriors from, from Noel that, that pop up in the film. It, if, if you've seen The Favourite and, and you're visiting Noel House, what would you be looking out for to, to, to match? Well, The Favourite was an interesting filming job because uh, it was a massive production. We had uh, horses, carriages, 60 extras... Uh, they filmed around the entranceway to one of Noel's seven courtyards, Queen's Court, and they uh, covered the gates in mud and we had baskets of, I don't know, cabbages and fruits and vegetables and carts and people in costume. And they filmed here for about four days. And then when we went to see the movie, there's about two seconds of a carriage racing past the external wall at Knoll, and that was it. Everything else was cut. So I suppose you can never tell what will end up on the editing room floor and what will make it onto the big screen. Yeah, sometimes it's me. That's quite upsetting. A huge franchise shot here as well, right, that everyone would have heard of all the way from Disneyland. Yeah, um, Pirates of the Caribbean was shot here in 2010, and they used Stable Courtyard, uh, which actually isn't open to the public, although um, visitors can see that courtyard uh, with the big gates wide open. And uh, what they did with Stable Court was they transformed it. Uh, we had uh, gallows, 
Uh, we had uh, kind of big cages hanging with skeletons inside. Um, so it's a little bit more of a gruesome film yeah. production. And I believe that they had to do lots of uh, public signage. So people weren't too startled <laughs> at the site as they uh, were walking through the parkland. So uh, that was an interesting project. Um, for Sherlock Holmes, uh, Stone Court, one of our grand courtyards right in the centre of the building, uh, was uh, covered in fake snow and uh, transformed into a Swiss castle. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it's amazing how uh, the production team can completely transport Noel into a you know a different scene and a different place. You ever get a little nervous when you see them, you know, sp spraying a, a, a wall, an ancient Noel House wall with like fake snow or you know hanging skeletons from ancient rafters. It's uh, all very carefully controlled and negotiated. So, um, for instance, on a very recent filming project, we uh, allowed the production team to light candles in our great hall. So usually no naked flames at all, but that was all accompanied with hot works permits and fire marshals and very strict uh, you know, terms and conditions about dripping wax and, and uh, carbon from, from flames. So it, it is all very, very carefully controlled. No, it's incredible how much has has been shot here. What what do you think is the sort of main pull when uh, when you've got these you know location guys scouring the world, scouring the planet, looking for the right backdrops, the right interiors, exteriors? What what do you think is the big pull that Noel House has? I think um, it's really interesting. We have lots of recce's and a, a sort of small percentage of those uh, visits end up being actual live filming projects. I think the attraction at Knoll, in very practical terms, is Knoll, uh, the medieval palace, the Tudor mansion, is structured around seven courtyards. And some of those courtyards are very large and very grand. So you have four elevations, which are, are completely uh, sort of caught in time. You have no modern 20th, 21st century, uh, you know, fixtures and fittings. So you get this um, entire view, uh, which, which kind of plunges you back into history. Noel has very recently um, been used for a, a new series that we can't talk too much about, but it's very exciting. I'm just wondering, because it's so fresh in the memory, what's, what's the process, the sort of ABC of it, from that moment that the you know, you give them the thumbs up, they give you the thumbs up. You know that the first filming date is around the corner. What, what needs to happen to get everything ready? So we agree uh, on, say, the interiors, which furniture will stay in, in the rooms where filming's taking place, which will be removed. Sometimes if uh, something's being filmed that's very early, uh, we need to take out later. So if it's 17th century, we may have collections from the 18th or 19th century. So those will be removed. Anything that's very, very fragile will be removed. Um, and then uh, we have this process of protecting the interiors while the crew come in with their cameras, their dollies, their rigs, their jibs, their lights. Um, and their portaloos. Their portaloos. Um, and uh, so we might, for instance, um, put sort of um, matting on the floors, uh, felt on the stairs, uh, foam coverings on delicate staircases. That all goes up for when all of the equipment comes in and it all gets taken down for the shooting days and then it all gets put back again for when all the equipment comes out. So there is a lot of work that goes into it um, um, to get those precious you know, couple of days filming on, on screen. That's incredible. That does, uh, it just makes me feel tired thinking about how much you have to do in prep. 
it does feel like a perfect place. So thanks for thanks for sharing so much detail about this incredible place. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for a proper visit myself. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Hannah Kay there. It's absolutely fascinating. Oh, um, yeah, I'm still, I'm back outside uh, taking in the last of, of the day's sun. It is just gorgeous. And a few more little Knoll House facts for you, because as well as film and telly, the grounds of Knoll were also used by the Beatles um, to film the music videos for Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane. Remember those? There's actually a story that, that one of them borrowed the head gardener's best tea set because they wanted to try that trick where you pull the tablecloth out from under the stuff on the table uh, and it will stay safely where it was. In this case, it didn't work because the Beatles, aside from being amazing at most things, were not magicians. And uh, everything ended up in the bottom of a pond. Um, I'm pretty sure you only get away with that if you're, if you're one of the Fab Four. And, and, and when you finished at Knoll on your visit, just a 30-minute walk back to Sevenoaks. But Sevenoaks is a town that also has an unbelievable list of films and shows attached to it. Uh, there's the period drama Parade's End, which stars Benedict Cumberbatch. And that was shot in Sevenoaks, as well as Greg Davis's dark comedy, The Cleaner, and The Larkins, the most recent adaptation of The Darling Buds of May. Yeah, all in Sevenoaks. The 90s ITV version was recorded in Pluckley, a village that also features in Rav Wilding's episode about the unexplained. So do go back, have a listen. And listen, when you're done doing all your location hunting, there is actually loads to get on with in uh, Seven Oaks. Nice little indie shops you can explore. Go and get some tea and cake. Always a favourite before you hop on board a train and head back home. It's, it's a great day out. I don't come to Kent enough and... Um, I'm telling you, with the options that Southeastern's got, it's just so easy. If you set off early, you can see as much as I've seen in one day. And the sun's not even down yet. I feel pretty blessed. So I'm going to head back to the station now, uh, make the half-hour journey, half-hour, back to the big smoke. See if I can see any more remnants of Hollywood on the way. But I, I feel feel like an extra in, a, in an epic, thanks to Southeastern. So there's only one thing to sort out now, and that's, uh, that's what I'm going to watch when I get home. Ta-da. And that brings us to the end of my cinematic outing to some of Kent's fantastic filming locations and, for that matter, the end of this episode of Hop On Board. If you like what you've heard, spread the word. Give us a like and subscribe. And if you're eager to keep exploring, why not check out the rest of the series and discover more of what Kent and East Sussex has to offer just by jumping on the Southeastern train. But for now, it's time for me to disembark. Thanks for listening.